Hey everyone, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com and today I'm excited to be back with a brand new episode. Today I'm going to be talking about how you can get into the millionaires club or how to become a millionaire and this episode is inspired by a couple magazine subscriptions that came in the mail this month, specifically my subscription to Money Magazine and also to Kiplinger Magazine. And both of these magazines for September 2017 focus on how to get to a million dollars or how you can make a million dollars. And I wanted to talk about that here, especially for those of you who are listening, who getting to millionaire status is one of your goals, or for those of you who are listening and you want to cross the seven figure mark with your retirement savings as as you get older and you approach retirement. And I think it's just a really fun conversation to have. And I wanted to come on the podcast and talk through um, the strategies that they laid out in the magazine, the examples that they use, the habits and the profiles of these millionaires and kind of help all of you get a sense for what it takes to be a millionaire and why it's not as difficult as you might think. But before we get started, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, please do. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, on Stitcher, and please tell a friend, leave a review so more people can hear about the podcast, more people can come and listen to the podcast. Also, I thought I'd share a few updates before I kind of get into the topic. Um, so this past week, I took some time off. I stepped away from my business and from my daily life to basically hang out with my husband and we had a staycation we were out and about and I like to take periodic breaks and during these breaks one of the things I like to do is do assessments of my life of my finances of my business to see where I am in comparison to the things that I want to achieve in comparison to my goals so I spend this week doing that and one of the big takeaways every time I do one of these assessments is it helps me determine how close or how far away I am. Because sometimes when you're in the day-to-day of working towards a goal, you may not realize when you're slowly veering off. Sometimes it takes it takes time for you to realize that you've fallen off path, if that makes sense. And so it's always good to do these assessments. And so for me, you know, I was able to just sit down and say, okay, I need to readjust here. This is going really well. This is going not so good. I need to change things there. And one of the best things about stepping away from, you know, my day-to-day life and my business and things like that is that I come back feeling refreshed and motivated and inspired. And sometimes I will admit that it's hard to take that step back. It's hard to, you know, especially when things are going so fast and, you know, you're working on your plans, on your on your goals. For me, sometimes it's hard to take that step back because I feel like if I'm not actively taking action and if I'm not actively taking steps, I'm going to lose momentum. But Coming back with that new feeling of motivation, that refreshed inspiration completely makes up for it. So I encourage you, especially as we get into the fall, a new season of the year, take some time away from your everyday life, even if it's just for a few hours, even if you can't take you know a full vacation, take a few hours, take a day and shut down your mind from all of you, the things you're trying to accomplish and just take some time for self-care and for yourself. And then once you're done with that part of it, takes another little bit of time, maybe a couple hours to just sit down and do an assessment and do a reflection of where you are right now in comparison to where you want to be and figure out what you need to adjust in order to make sure that you stay on path. So let's get into the topic for today. 
Okay, so before we get into the how of becoming a millionaire, I thought I'd go over the profile of what a millionaire looks like. And Money Magazine did an awesome job of breaking down what a US millionaire looks like in terms of how they spend their money and other characteristics they have. And so before I get into that, I'll just mention that as of the end of last year, 2016, there were almost 11 million millionaires in the United States. So there were 10.8 millionaires. And that number in itself is an indication that it's not that hard to become a millionaire because there are millions of millionaires. It's all about having a strategy and having a plan, being committed and staying the course. But we'll get into that later. But for right now, let's get into the profile of millionaires in the United States. So the highest spending categories for millionaires are travel and charity, which is it makes sense because I feel like when you have money, um, you are in a unique position to be able to give back, to, to help other people, to help your community, to help your family. And I'm a firm believer of the fact that when you give, it comes back to you tenfold. And so I can see how charity is top of their spending category. And then travel, that is something that I also agree with um, in terms of how they spend their money because the experiences and the encounters you get from traveling, the fulfillment and the happiness um, does not come compared to owning anything material. And if you have the means to go out when you travel, especially traveling with people that you love, then it can it can give you a ton of satisfaction. So I can see how that's a big spending area. Um, there are three other categories on here that were not big spending areas um, and they were jewelry. And I, I think that makes complete sense <laughs> because they're not about that bling bling life. And then cars, um, you know, they're not big on spending more than $25,000 on their cars. You know, they're not really into luxury cars and then arts. Um, and also when it comes to the average age of the millionaire, um, it is 52 years old. So a lot of people kind of get sucked up in this whole celebrity, um, you know, status and celebrity, I guess, persona on social media where people look like they're really young and really rich and they become overnight successes and things like that. But the average age of a millionaire is 52 years old. And, you know, 99% of them, 99.9% of them are not athletes or, um, you know, musicians or actors or actresses. They are regular people who are working in regular jobs, who have regular businesses, but who took advantage of the time that they had. So the top professions in um, this category, in this grouping that Money Magazine has put together for these millionaires is, um, the number one is professional services. And I'm assuming that is that can include a vast, a vast variety of careers, um, education, and also people in the medical and health field. So professional, professional services could be things like lawyers, you know, accountants, um, tax providers, financial providers, um, all kinds of things fall under professional services. Um, anything that could, and I just gave a couple, very few examples, but a ton of different, in fact, there can be a person from any industry categorized under professional services. So whatever job you're doing now, I guarantee you that there is somebody who is on this millionaire's list that started out doing exactly what you're doing. Um, from a gender perspective, 67% of them are men and only 33% of them are women. But we're changing that with Clever Girl Finance. We're going to get those numbers up. <laughs> 
Also, 76% of them are married, which kind of makes sense because it is, you know, when you have a joint income, you accumulate more money. But that does not mean that you cannot um, become a millionaire as a single person. Almost 25% of people in that 10.8 million um, are single. And so that's really, really important. Um, Their median annual income was $125,000. So that is very that's low six figures. So again, this dispels any assumption that you have to be making seven figures to stay a millionaire, or you have to be earning high six figures um, to to become a millionaire. And keep in mind that this is the median, this is the average. So there's a, a lot of them who are who are not even earning six figures, who did not earn six figures, who were able to get to that millionaire status. So it's really, really important, ladies, that it's not about how much you're earning. It is is what you do with what you make. It's how are you using your money to help you build, to help your future self build wealth. Okay, so next let's talk about the distribution of where their assets are. Um, the vast majority of them, 55% of them have their money in investable assets. So let's talk about what, what those are. It's things like stocks and um, funds, um, cash, checking, savings accounts, certificate of deposit, um, money market funds, etc. About 55% of them have their money in investable assets with 44% of them having their money in equity. So that is in stocks. And so you guys know that I'm all about investing. Investing is one of the major ways to build wealth. And this um, assessment, this profile um, information that Money Magazine has provided supports that super strongly. So when it comes to investing, you know, the the easiest place to start is in your employer-sponsored account if you have an employer that offers one. And um, if not, then you can start with an IRA. So it's the easiest way to get started is by investing um, for retirement. However, it's also really, really important. It's actually critical that you start to learn what it is to invest. What does investing mean? What does a stock mean? What does a bond mean? What do all these different terms mean? And you can just start by picking up an investing 101 book and start to educate yourself. There's also a ton of investing content on the Clever Girl Finance blog, but it's important that as you, if you're if you're serious about building wealth, you want to get into investing. But as you start to think about investing, as you start to put your money into investments, you want to make sure that you understand, even if it's only at a very basic level, you understand exactly where you're putting your money in. That way, you are not gambling. You are not making uninformed decisions. You know what's happening to your money. And that's really, really important. The other thing I'll say when it comes to investing that it's also really important for you to understand um, the fees and commissions associated to any investment that you buy into. That's really important to keep in mind. So let's let's come back <laughs> to talking about the distribution of their assets. So like I mentioned, 55% of them have their money in investable assets. And then the other 45% have their money in things like their residents, um, insurance, um, investment, real estate, and privately held business. So, you know, three key ways to build wealth are by investing in the stock market, by investing in small business, and by investing in real estate. And they also have on here insurance. Insurance is 
is a big way that the wealthy transition their wealth. It's a big way that they maintain their wealth. And so I have that podcast episode that I did with a guest on insurance a couple episodes ago. And if you're trying to figure out what kind of insurance you need, or if you even need insurance, or what kind of questions you should be asking if you were to sit down with an insurance agent, that podcast episode answers all of that for you. The other cool thing that Money Magazine did in their one how to get to a million dollar um issue was that they profiled five millionaires that they had visited about 17 years ago. And 17 years ago, these people were millionaires in the making. And fast forward 17 years later, they are now all millionaires and they went back to revisit them and just kind of see how they did and what it took for them to get to millionaire status. And what I love about this profile of these individuals, and you guys can pick up this magazine, it is in, um, it's on new stance now, is the fact that they all had very, very different stories and they all had different challenges. Um, one of them was severely, severely impacted by the 2008 stock market crash, but they recovered and they were still able to build wealth. Um, one of them was um, was able to hit a million dollars in her mid-30s before she got married. And that's really awesome. I love that story because she is obviously female <laughs> and she did it as a single person. So I like the fact that they did the profiles on people who had, you know, who were millionaires in the making. Um, some of them had children. Some of them went through, you know, situations in their lives. But the consistent behavior amongst all five of these people that they profiled over those 17 years is that they always stayed the course. Even when they had to veer off path, even when you know things were happening in life, they always stayed on path. And they all contributed to retirement savings, which is something that, you know, like I mentioned, that's one of the easiest ways to get started in investing, um, either through your employer or through an IRA on your own. And they basically, again, just stayed the course. They they had a why. They wanted to save money, put money away. They wanted to get to millionaire status for their families, for their future selves. And they stayed the course despite what happened in their lives. So let's kind of shift gears as to how. How do you join this millionaires club? How do you set yourself on the path to become a millionaire? What should you be doing to get there? So in talking about the how, I'm going to shift to Kiplinger Magazine's article on how you can save a million dollars. And I really love the article and the way they structured it in terms of the different things you can be doing because there's so many things that you can be doing as a combined effort to get yourself to seven figures in savings. And like I mentioned earlier in the beginning of the podcast, it is not as difficult as it might seem. It's all about staying the course, putting your plan in place, and then staying the course. So let's get into you know their thoughts on how you can save a million dollars. So the first thing they talk about is that you want to live like a million bucks. And that just basically means that live like you want to get to a million dollars. And the big thing they focus on is avoiding lifestyle creep, which many, many people are guilty of. Every time you get a raise, every time you get a windfall, when you get a better paying job, you kind of increase the things around you. You know, you might get a nicer car, you might buy more clothes, you might 
you know, your taste of where you eat out may go up. And it's about living like you want to save a million bucks is about being conscious of lifestyle creep. So it's not that you can't have those nice things because at the end of the day, you still want to enjoy your life as you're living it, but you want to make sure that the lifestyle creep is not drowning you to the point where you don't have any leeway to save. Um, You want to make sure that you plan you know, if you want to increase or improve certain aspects of your lifestyle, your house, your car, your clothes, whatever, your vacations that you plan for accordingly, and you still have room in your budget to be able to save. And so your goals, the goals that you have to get to a million, um, when you want to get there, how you want to get there, all of those things are things that should be in your budget. And then any improvements you want to make to your lifestyle would come secondary to your goals, basically. The second thing they talk about um, is automating your savings because it just makes your life so much easier. So there are studies that show that people who automate their savings actually save a ton more money than people who don't. And one of the easiest automations is setting up your retirement savings with your employer. That is just, you don't even have to think about it once it's set. The money automatically comes out of your, your paycheck. Other ways to automate could be your deposits into your IRA if you don't have an employer-sponsored plan. And even if you do have an employer-sponsored plan, you can still have your own IRA. Um, automating your savings into your, you know, your savings accounts into your other investment accounts. It's all about setting it and then checking in to make sure that those transactions are happening the way you plan for them and making sure that, you know, all the transactions that are happening are in line with what you have budgeted. But when you automate your savings, it makes saving so much easier because you don't have to put too much thought to it. A lot of times when people have money just sitting in their account with the intent that they're going to manually transfer it to savings, um, things come up. It's that beautiful dress. It's your friend calling you to go hang out. Those type of things come up and you're like, you know what? Mm, I'll I'll just transfer it later. I'll wait till my next paycheck. And then you start to spend the money. But if that money has automatically left your account as soon as you get paid, you don't even get the chance to debate it in your mind as to whether or not you save because you've already saved. So automating your finances is a big one. They also talk about in this magazine article, investing in yourself. And they talk about it in this in the sense of investing in your idea, in your potential to accomplish something for instance, if you have a business idea um, and starting a business can make you a millionaire because there is no cap on how much you can potentially earn if your business is successful. It is also very, very risky to start a business because, you know, you're taking a chance and you're you're solely responsible. Um, it's not like you're working at a job where even if the company doesn't do well, you still get your paycheck, um, you know, um, but that's one way in which you can become a millionaire and In my opinion, I'm a huge fan of small business, but I'm also a strong believer that you can become a millionaire in a career. Um, There are tons and tons of millionaires who just invested what they were earning from their paycheck. They had steady paychecks and they are seven figure people right now. But you can also become a millionaire through business. And it's all about deciding to take the risk. And you don't even have to take on 
a massive risk because you can start a business as a side hustle like I did. And as your business starts to make progress, as your business starts to earn money, as your business starts to grow and you're more comfortable with where your business is, then you can make the transition from being a full-time employee to being a full-time business owner. And like I mentioned, you know, you don't have to be a business owner. Not everybody wants the responsibility of business. Some people are happy in their careers and whichever way you choose your career or owning a business, you can become a millionaire either way. You just have to make sure that you're being smart about whatever route that you take and you are making informed decisions and you're doing your research and you're making your plans to be successful in your career or in your business. The other how they talk about in the article in terms of getting to seven figures is to channel Warren Buffett. And that's basically buying shares in the US stock market and continuing to add your money into the shares or the funds or the, you know, whatever you buy in the stock market, continue to add your money into those investments and watch it grow substantially over time. And if you follow Warren Buffett and his investments, you know, the way he invests, you know that he is not a panicker. He's not selling when the market is crashing. He is very much a buy and hold long-term type of investor. And that's how he has built a lot of his wealth. And so they're like channel Warren Warren Buffett and invest. And again, you can do that through retirement savings. You can do that by investing on your own in brokerage accounts. And it's all about the consistency and taking advantage of the power of compounding. And like I said before, and I will continue to say, investing is a key way to build wealth and you have to have long-term objectives for what you want to invest in and why you want to invest. You also have to have a good sense of your risk tolerance. So you don't want to be putting your money in super risky investments when you know that you can't handle it, where if you see your portfolio drop 30, 40, 50%, it's going to drive you crazy. You want to make sure you have a good understanding of your risk tolerance and also your objectives. What are you investing for? Why do you want to invest? How much time do you have? And having all those things in place, understanding what all those things are for you and as, as, as it relates to your own life are going to help you make informed decisions when you're choosing your investments. So for instance, let's say you sat down with a financial planner or you're answering questions on a robo-advisor platform. They're going to ask you things about your risk tolerance and your objectives. What are you investing for? And you want to make sure you have all those answers. You can answer those questions um, before you put your money into any investment. One thing I will add is that when it comes to investing, I'm not a huge fan of investing in individual stocks. And if you're one of those people who is not comfortable with the big terms or you're still trying to figure out investing, you're still learning investing, um, as far as I'm concerned, putting your money in individual stocks, especially if you don't have the time to monitor what each of these companies are doing, is almost the same as putting all your eggs in one basket. And if that basket drops, then all your eggs break and it's a complete loss. And so I know that when you hear people talking about companies like Amazon and Google and Apple, Facebook, et cetera, it sounds really attractive. You know, you may think that you may be thinking, oh my God, I want to put my money in one of these companies because I can make a lot of money. But you want to make sure that you are spreading, um, you're diversifying your portfolio, which means that you don't want to 
to have a total loss if one of these companies is impacted by something that happens in the economy or something that happens within the economy and lose all your money. You want to spread your investment across different industries and different sectors. I'm a huge fan of investing in funds because funds allow you to have this diversification of your portfolio. And many of these funds have these big companies, these attractive companies as part of their fund composition. So I love index funds. I love ETFs. They give you an opportunity to invest in the companies that you love and also several other companies in different industries and different sectors. That way, if something happens with one company or one market sector is impacted by something that happens in the sector or in the economy, it's not a complete loss for you. And the other thing I want to mention is that when it comes to investing, you want to think long-term. You should not be investing your short-term money. So money you're saving to buy a house or to buy a car or any of your short-term goals, you shouldn't be putting that money in the stock market because you cannot predict the outcome of the stock market in the short term. Um, you know, the average return on the stock market um, historically is about 8%, but that is based on long-term. And so assuming that you're going to have that exact same return in three years, in two years is a big risk because you don't know what's going to happen with the economy. You don't know what's going to happen with the companies that you're investing your money in. And so you want to give your money time to grow. You want to give your money time to take advantage of the power of compounding. You want to allow it to you know, acquire gains over time. And those historical averages that you hear people talk about all the time, they come from allowing your money to sit in the stock market over time. So if you have any money that you need in the short term, anything less than five years, you don't want to invest it. And by long term, you know, I mean, keep your money in the stock market 10 years plus. Okay, so the next how when it comes to getting to a million dollars, <laughs> and just to add here that, you don't have to stop at 1 million. You can keep going when you get to your 1 million. So let's just make this getting to seven figures, basically. <laughs> but the next how is by getting into real estate, specifically investment real estate, where you are earning money from your investment. And there's a number of things you want to keep in mind when you're thinking about investing in real estate um, for it to make sense for you. And I have another podcast episode that I did with a guest on what it takes to invest in real estate that you want to check out. It's a few episodes down. And you know, you want to make sure that at the end of the day, when you've done your assessments and you've calculated your numbers, that before you put your money into a real estate investment, that it's going to be profitable for you, that it's going to cover the cost of the mortgage, cover the cost of any upgrades and repairs that are going to be required over time. And even when the property might be empty, that, you know, your numbers make sense for you to make it a profitable investment. And so, Investing in real estate is another how when it comes to getting to six figures and becoming a millionaire. And the last how is setting priorities, having a clear plan. And so when it comes to setting priorities, you want to make sure that you are doing things in the right order. So for example, if you have credit card debt or a very expensive debt, high cost debt, you want to make that a top priority to pay off that debt. Um, because when you pay off your high interest debt, you're getting an immediate return. Like if you had debt that is, let's say 20% interest rate, by paying it off, you're getting an immediate return of 20%. That's 20% out of your pocket. You're not giving to anybody. So if if you have debt, you want to make sure you get rid of that first. Your next priority could be saving for retirement because saving for retirement is a long-term effort. It's going to take you time to accumulate all the money you need for your retirement, depending on 
you know, how much retirement is going to cost you. And you want to know exactly how much your retirement is going to cost you every year. So you know what your numbers should look like. And I have a blog post on Clever Girl Finance on the blog on, do you know how much it costs, how much it's going to cost for you to retire, but saving for retirement could be next on your list. And then after that, you know, after you have your debt paid off, after you have a plan to max out your retirement savings, then you can then put in a plan for your other goals. Like, you know, the things you want to do to live your life, the things you want to do to improve your lifestyle. So you want to make sure you have your priority laid down on paper. So you know exactly what your plan of attack is going to be. And you have a structure of how you're going to approach getting to seven figures in savings or seven figures in assets. So let's just recap on the how part of things, what you should be doing and how you should be doing things to get yourself to seven figures, to get yourself into the millionaires club, to get yourself to millionaire status. So again, the first one was living like a million bucks, living like you want to get to millionaire status by avoiding lifestyle creep, automating your savings and your investing, investing in yourself, investing in your potential. And if you have an idea for a small business, going out to pursue it, but understanding what the risks are, um, channeling Warren Buffett and the way he invests and thinking about investing in terms of the long term and understanding your objectives and your risk tolerance. Also digging into real estate and finally having a priority and a plan. So it doesn't sound that difficult, does it? And it really isn't. Um, you know, you can become an investor. You can become a good investor. You can understand what investing is about. It's all about educating yourself and dedicating your time. You can pay off your debt. You can build a business. Again, it all requires time and effort and commitment and discipline and First up, you want to work on your mindset. And I, I have a podcast episode. It's one of my earlier episodes where I talked about what makes up a millionaire, the millionaire mindset. What are they thinking about? How are they acting out in their day-to-day lives? How do they stay motivated? And that's the foundational basis of you being successful with your goal of getting your finances to six figures, seven figures, wherever you want to get to with your finances. You have to have your mindset in place. You have to be able to believe that you can achieve this. You have to be able to be comfortable putting in the work and all that starts in your head. And so I'm a huge believer that you can become a millionaire. We have to get that 33% statistic up. We have to have more female millionaires (laughs) and you guys can definitely do it. It's all about staying the course, staying the course, staying committed and surrounding yourself with the right people. That's also a really important aspect of it. People who think you can do this, people who are going to support you and motivate you, people who are on the same path as you. So I hope you guys have enjoyed listening in to today's episode. And if you have, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and please tell a friend about it and leave a review so more people can find out about the Clever Girls No podcast. Also, if you haven't already, head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there too. You will get access to my resource library. I have an awesome resource library of tools and checklists that can help you as you work on improving your finances. And you will also get access to my weekly newsletter, which I send out with a ton of motivation and inspiration to help you stay focused on your money goals and as you work on building wealth. Thank you guys so much for listening in today. I'll be back again with a brand new episode soon.